0: back the second take podcast we're back and there's been a lot of things going on between our last podcast so we're gonna start off quickly go to the paths
1: yeah it's been a while six months so we are back and a lot has gone on in the nfl and not a lot of good stuff for the new england patriots uh patriots started off the season really really slow here we go a lot of bad decisions that i've talked about um yeah, a lot, and hundreds talked about a lot, and on our on our other platforms, uh, yeah, the paths safe to say have been absolutely horrendous, and this is pretty much shown in their last two games, which have been heartbreaking losses that have started out horrible due to bad offensive play calling, bad decisions by individual players. And just overall, a bad team effort. So, first thing we got to talk about right now is the Patriots lost to the Las Vegas Raiders. Which, as we know, has was just uh, probably one of the worst endings for a team in NFL history. One of the best on the Raiders side, but one of the worst for the Patriots overall, with Chandler Jones pretty much killing Mac Jones just running through him and then Ramondre Stevenson refusing to go down like he was told to, which shouldn't have been a thing in the first place because that should have just been a kneel down. If the whole entire point of the Patriots running the clock out, was the whole entire point was to run the clock out, that's what should have happened and a kneel down is what is supposed to be done there because of what happened with the Patriots. Ramondre decided not to go down threw it to Jacoby and Jacoby just went bonkers by himself. So God knows what he was thinking there, but ultimately screwed up. And that set up Ramondre to have his second failure two weeks in a row, which has been a shame For him, because he's just been all over the place the past two weeks. He's had such a good season. One of the best running backs in the league, arguably, should have been a Pro Bowler this year. But instead, here we are with him fumbling the game away against Cincinnati with an improbable comeback that should have happened. Patriots should have won that game against one of the best teams in the league. But after doing that comeback, from a start that was one of the worst seen all season, we have Ramondre fumbling the ball away. So the Patriots failures in the past two games can be measured from coaching and individual players.
0: Yeah, I think it's funny how Patriots' best playmakers have been involved with in their ultimate collapses. Yeah. In the last two weeks, Jacoby obviously been their best receiver and he made that Wayward Hayward pass. And then Reminders, you said, has been incredible for them this season. Yeah. And he's been involved in both plays. Yeah, that fumble was tough. What's happened both weeks is that, you know, they started slowly and the defense gets solid in the offense, makes like, makes the fake, makes the comeback until the end, and then they mm-hmm. just can't just
2: go over the hump. It's been unfortunate. I think, the, I think the, the most concerning part is it shows that we go in with a game plan. Yeah. Two weeks in a row. It doesn't work, and by the time we – at halftime, we basically scrap the entire game plan that they were working on in practice all week, and we just go get a little bit more desperate because we're down by so much, try and come back into it. And that's when our offense actually works. Yeah. Because for some reason, whatever they're planning out just simply doesn't work. Yeah.
1: Well, the reason it doesn't work is because Matt Patricia is the one – doing the play calls and he has no right in this goddamn world to
2: touch the offensive touch
1: the offensive playbook or make an offensive playbook which is what he has been has done because this this whole entire process Bill Belichick hasn't changed his offense in his whole entire tenure as a uh, coach of the New England Patriots which has been spanning over 20 years six super bowls great success hasn't changed the playbook The playbook that Josh McDaniels ran was the one that gave us so much success. And now all of a sudden, New England's trying to modernize their offense, which is something they should do with going with more of a Sean McVay-esque type of offense. And when they're trying to overhaul that offense, which they're doing with a second-year quarterback, not the best idea ever for a guy that already learned offense very well, adapted well, had a 70% completion percentage, which is great as a rookie quarterback. But now we have Patricia. You bring in a guy who had one year of offensive experience, not as a coordinator or anything like that in 2001 on a college football team. So not even in the pros. And, you know, it should be a little bit telling that he had only one year on offense and then immediately switched to defense, which he's been doing for his whole entire career up to this point. So, when you have a offensive overhaul of, um, there's a million changes for a team that's very young, unproven, and was headed in the right direction. There's no, no rhyme or reason why you'd put that responsibility in the hands of a man who knows nothing about offensive football,
2: and then let him. Bench one of our best playmakers in the process, in Kendrick Bourne.
1: Exactly, and that, and Bourne, that whole entire thing was shown in the second half of that game. As as you guys said, the team gets better in the second half because they scrapped the initial offensive game plan that Patricia's been working on all week, and I'm sure he works his heart out on it. But his heart um, kind of sucks because his brain doesn't connect to that. So P- Patricia just he overall. He can't manage the team. The team gets better once the ball gets in the play call sheet gets taken away from Patricia when Belichick comes back in and kind of has to redirect him like a little baby back to the right play calls and to the right players. He benched Kendrick Bourne for basically the whole entire season up to this point.
2: And then Kendrick Bourne comes in, finally gets his fair share of snaps in the second half of the Bengals game and has... A career day.
1: Yeah, six receptions for 100 yards, touchdown.
2: Made some incredible catches too.
1: Yeah, had one in the back end zone, right corner, which was amazing. And yeah. then he had the toe tap, toe on, tap the on the sideline, side which were just incredible plays. And he also had that one into triple coverage that Mac just kind of threw in there. Because Mac has the confidence to throw that to Kendrick Bourne because he knows Kendrick Bourne can make that catch. We saw that catch um, against the Browns last season in that game where Mac had an amazing game. So you can clearly see when a talented wide receiver is on the field, unlike Nelson Aguilar, who has stones for hands, like just can't catch anything.
2: You allow Mac to have a little bit more confidence, yeah, and therefore he it just he works. succeeds. Yeah,
1: I mean, if we look at the Raiders game, Mac goes thirteen for thirty-one, one hundred and twelve yards. Kendrick Bourne. Did he have a single reception that game? No. Did he have a target? Yeah, he had one, but that's because he had a limited snap count. Then we go over to the Bengals game. He has six for a hundred. He's on the field basically every single play, besides for the field, uh the plays where he had a breather after he ran about a hundred yards because he was carrying the offense on his back. So and Bourne also had one rush for twenty nine yards on an end around, which was pretty impressive nearly almost one yard away from our uh, leading rusher that whole entire game and Ramondre Stevenson who had a pretty, pretty bad game after having a great game in Vegas. So Bourne makes a difference. And it's clear and evident that Patricia can't do anything here for the Patriots. And that kind of, It 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 shows in the whole entire game completely, and it it, he just he just really really needs to go.
2: It's just a shame that we let him have a full season instead of realizing how bad it was early on, getting him out and trying to restart and get something new and fresh to try and revitalize what the season a little bit was going on. Yeah, and instead just. Letting the season crumble into a pit of despair.
1: Yeah, and I mean, Patricia was the worst possible hire they possibly could have had. Bill O'Brien was right there for the taking. I mean, he's only offensive coordinator at Alabama right now, and he didn't even have a great season last uh, this past season. Not even over yet, I suppose. But this past season for Alabama, O'Brien's been criticized down there. Hasn't done a Ton of a great like a great job, but he has a great relationship with Belichick and he did a great job coaching in Houston and getting the most out of quarterbacks like TJ Yates and just horrible, horrible Texans quarterbacks before Deshaun Watson came along. So and he had he had great success with Tom Brady. He already knows all the New England stuff. So I think Bill O'Brien's the perfect fit for offensive coordinator of the New England Patriots. You could also throw around Adam Gase if you wanted to, who had success in offensive coordinator roles but didn't really do much as head coach. But again, not hiring him as a head coach, we're hiring him as an offensive coordinator. And there's a million offensive minds in college football that you could take right now that would gladly take an offensive coordinator job from the New England Patriots. And I think that's something that really needs to be looked at. And I think that's the first order of business that you have to do for the New England Patriots in the offseason. You get a new offensive coordinator and you have to address the tackle spot in free agency. Those are the two, uh, no, not free agency, in the draft. Those are the two major things you have to do. Because Mac's going to be your quarterback. I don't care what anybody says. This offense is com- this offensive play calling from Patricia is completely, completely de- just destroyed his development.
0: Yeah, it's a shame this is the second year, so we can't even get a good scope on how well he's actually doing, how much he grew, because he's just been injured so much by this. Especially
2: after all the hype and everything we
0: saw about how much progress and how
2: much development Mac had made through the work he put in over the offseason. So hopefully fresh start, new offensive coordinator can really revitalize that. But at the same time, also very difficult for a quarterback coming in and having three offensive coordinators in three seasons, having to learn three different offenses. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: Real it'll definitely be a
2: challenge for him. But he's yeah. he's very capable of
0: it. It would be hard for them to get rid of Mac, anyways. But that's obviously that shouldn't be their concern at all. They should be fine running with Mac another season, mm-hmm. especially because the guys like him. Um, he already showed showed us his rookie year that he's capable of running the NFL offense. So they should mm-hmm. have. They should probably. They're definitely going to stick with Mac. I know there's been a lot of controversy this season. People even even thought he lost his job at one point, but he's definitely going to keep the job. Yeah. Um. And I hope he grows next year with under a real offensive coordinator.
1: Because he's shown a lot of grit, at least I think, and he showed a lot of just frustration with Patricia and play calling, and you can see when different people are making the calls and when. Mac is kind of taking it into his own hands. He's doing much, much better. He-
2: Specifically, that Bengals game, yeah. you saw a lot less screenplays. Mm-hmm. I think maybe two. Yeah. I saw all game, yeah. which might be a record this season. Yeah, um,
1: Patricia loves his wide receiver screens, which is really yeah. odd, but loves them and we, cut back on them in
2: the Bengals game. We ran a, f- a few just plays across the middle. To wide receivers like Bourne and Jacoby Myers and just quick passes, pick up a few yards, stuff like that, that we lost once we, um, once we got rid of, I don't even know how long ago it was, but just quick passes out into the, out into the middle of the field, out into the flat, stuff like that, rather than either throwing a screen pass or everyone being 30 yards down the field. Yeah. Everyone is just so polar towards one way or the other. There's yeah. no like, you'll there's have no a happy game medium. option. And then you can check down. Yeah. Like what we had with Bray. There was always so many different levels mm-hmm. that he could look through and his progressions. Yeah.
1: This is a complexity to that offense, and you need complex, complexity in the NFL. And Mac Jones knows how to uh, dissect the defense, and he knows how to. Um, run a complex offense i mean josh mcdaniel's offense is no joke that's not a not a hard uh, not an easy uh offense to run and mac mastered that pretty much year one now we have i mean this matt patricia calling plays that have nothing in the middle at all nothing in the middle you can look at a lot of the plays on film And it will be everybody downfield and no one in the middle of the field. In the NFL, your bread and butter is going to be made going through the middle of the field, slants or just um, crossers or anything like that. It's going to be made in the middle of the field. And that's what's going to have to happen if uh, Mac Jones wants to succeed in the NFL, and that's why they need a new offensive coordinator. Because, I mean, if – Patricia's not going to make any good play calls here. Then Max is never going to succeed. It's not the quarterback's fault at that point because you got to give him something to work with. And if he's all on his own all the time, that's just not, that's not on him. That's clearly on the coaching staff. And Bill needs to be held accountable for that. I've been saying for a while now that I think Bill's, Decision-making and overall powers as coach should be stripped a little bit. And they've done a little bit of that. Um, Matt Groh has taken over a majority of the draft room in the offseason. Not as much as free of free agency, but a lot of the draft room. And that's shown improvement. The past two years have been very, very good in the draft. And that's a lot to do with Matt Groh and then Dave Ziegler the year before that. Grow and Elliot Wolf were still involved in that year, though. And the previous years with Bill there, you had Cyrus Jones, you had Dominique Easley, you had a bunch of just busts, uh, Joanne Williams, just not a lot of good picks in there, Nikhil Harry. We go on and on and on and on and on and on about that. But Bill needs to be held accountable. He can't be running free with GM duties especially. For me, I just want Bill to coach. I think Bill can coach. In Cleveland, he got fired, but I think he did a decent job there for what he had. In New England, obviously, great job coaching. Even without Brady, I think he's made it a little bit better for what he has, but I think he has a chronic problem at not getting the right talent in the building and utilizing talent right.
2: It's still, even in... The last couple of years, where it's been a bit of a downturn, we still have the identity of a Bill Belichick team with an extremely strong defense and a get not including this year, okay offense. Yeah. So it's. Yeah, he can definitely. He's still. Yeah, he's definitely. He has definitely, especially this year, lacking in the. The team discipline
1: department, though. Definitely a, mm.
2: yeah. Undisciplined a, strong, a struggle line. there,
0: especially with the yeah, offensive but, line. Yeah. He can definitely still coach. He's keeping the team in games against the Bengals. It's a really good team defense. Uh, again, Once again, he did it again uh, with JC Jackson, another star. Yep, uh, He's left the Patriots. And he just fills it seamlessly year to year. It's a really good coach. Players still want to play for him. Mm. He's got Jack Jones still complimenting him online. Um, yeah, potential one play from he copes a good defense, but definitely his general manager duties need to get questioned because mm-hmm. he's been really questionable there, especially like hiring Matt Patricia. I mean, yeah, it really did seem like he was trying to pull something there, like a chestnut checkers game play. Yeah, play and it didn't work out. It really blew up in his face. I mean, so.
1: coaching decisions have to be made by someone that's not Bill Belichick because for his staff, it's just a lot of. I mean, it's a lot of nepotism. He's hiring his kids all over the place, which is fine. Like, Steve's good. I'm good with Steve Belichick. But it, he's hiring too many close friends. Like, Patricia is clearly just not, a he's hire because he's – not to
2: go with someone who isn't a familiar face.
1: Yeah. Like, in, in the NFL right now, it's a lot of young guys. A lot of young guys coming out of the Shanahan coaching tree or McVay and all those guys that are – are really familiar with the game, you know, played the game, but are young, have a lot of energy and they're the ones that are winning games. And at some point you got to get away from your friends that have went to other teams and failed and bottomed out and trying to transform their careers. And instead maybe go for the young coaching minds that are having the new ideas that are revolutionizing offense that are revolutionizing defense. And maybe give them a try every once in a while. Because being stuck in your ways isn't going to, you know, work anymore. The NFL is changing completely. The positions are changing. The football is changing. The way the game is played is changing. And the Patriots got to adapt to that. The offensive changes was admirable. It was a way they were trying to change and modernize, but... They hired the completely wrong person to execute that change.
0: Yeah, the thing is, you can respect like a project, respect the process, um, but in this case, it, it was a good process. Like mm-hmm. the idea behind it was good, modernizing the offense, going further downfield. But then, when they hired a defensive guy to be the, the guy to run it, offensive yeah. guy, that's bad process, and you got to relook, look in the mirror, and reevaluate.
1: Yeah, they got a lot to work a work of work to do. But with Tua coming out uh, this next week, it looks like uh, with Tua possibly out. What I was trying to say. This could be a big thing for them. So, Pats are still in it, but I don't have a ton of confidence they'll be able to do much. I think even with Tua out, they'll be uh they'll, they'll probably still lose. So. I think right now the pass are gonna have to start looking towards the offseason trying to fix these holes, but we'll see what happens there. So next up, the Eagles, they lost 40 to 37 against the Cowboys this past week with Gardner Minshew at quarterback, which was a very impressive loss, I think, for them. Yeah. Minshew went three, uh, 24 for 40, 355 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Miles Sanders was decent on the ground. Not too great, but 21 carries for 65 yards. Devontae Smith also had two touchdowns to the air. Is having a really good streak here coming into the postseason. Eagles are 13-2 right now. Cowboys 11-4. Eagles will look to lock up the division and hopefully the conference this upcoming week. Hoping to go 14-2. So... Right now, do we think the Eagles are legit? Do we think they are a team that could win the NFC and ultimately could get to a Super Bowl?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think there's definitely um, a lot of potential in that team. A lot of, a lot of talent. Very good team. Obviously, the record shows that. Yep. Yeah. Um, but. They have a lot of other good teams in the NFC to square off with. So,
0: yeah, it can be tough, but they're definitely a legit team. I mean, that's an impressive loss, as Billy said. Like obviously, there are no like free points, and and you yeah. know, but it was definitely an impressive game because I Minshew mean, wasn't even that great, and they still stayed in the game. They have like a lot of good pieces once again. Um, we see the impact that star receivers have in this league. The acquisition of A.J. Brown has really helped uh, Jalen Hurts reach that next level. Mm -hmm. And we're at a point where people were questioning him last season, and now he's solidified as their franchise QB. And I think they should definitely have a good shot in the postseason.
1: I think Jalen Hurts has kind of – he's really turned a corner, obviously, for this offense, especially through the air. When he came out for the draft, the big question mark was going to be, if he could translate his big passing game that he showed off at Oklahoma to the NFL. And I think he's really succeeded in that, especially, you know, I think the key to that was getting him a number one wide receiver in AJ Brown. And I think he had a number one wide receiver in Devonte Smith already, but he needed some more weapons than just Devonte Smith. And he's finally found that in AJ Brown, which has been a tremendous help for him. Miles Sanders is finally unlocking his potential you yeah, got Gainwell behind him as a great receiving back who's very underrated. And in front of them a pretty good offensive line with my Jason Kelsey. and Now Lane Johnson, who's out for the season, which I think could really harm the Eagles. And I think is a reason why I don't have them as my NFC favorite just yet. I put that more as the 49ers. I think the 49ers have been a great team this year. Even with the, they've gone through three quarterbacks now, and I think every single one of them they could win a Super Bowl with right now, just because of how talented they are, and having the balls to go out and get Christian McCaffrey a running back, giving up all those picks and just making a big move, knowing that they have something going here to try to go after a Super Bowl, I think is admirable. I think you know, Shanahan got to the Super Bowl against the Chiefs a couple of years ago with Garoppolo playing all right football, but that team was based around defense like this team based around the run game, like this team and based around overall good weapons through the receiving game. Like this team is. So I think this team is set up to go to a super bowl. I think the Eagles are too, but I just like the 49ers much, much better, especially with the Eagles dealing with some injuries uh, on the defensive line with Jordan Davis. And, Overall, I think their linebacking core and coverage isn't the greatest. I love their secondary, though, uh, with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, James Bradbury, and Darius Slay.
0: Yeah, it's been really good.
1: Yeah, and Avante Maddox, too. But Yeah,
0: I like how the 49ers are built, too. Mm-hmm. I think it's really impressive how they can win with almost a passenger quarterback. Yeah. And I also really do admire their aggressiveness. They recognize problems or chances to improve and they just take them They yeah. don't like hesitate or and then later look rule over what ifs and what could have been if they just go out there and get the deal done like they saw jimmy and they saw let's take they saw an opportunity to improve mm-hmm. on him and then they gave up all those picks for trey lands and obviously it hasn't worked out but i think it's about the process and yep. I like their process how aggressive they are and how well constructed they are
1: yeah and i i mean their defense is very very good uh, you got Jimmy Ward, you got Nick Bosa, you got Javon Kinlaw in the middle. You just got a really, really well-constructed uh, defense, Amber Thomas, uh, over there. And I think that having that good of a defense is what's winning them games. And then on the offensive side, you got CMC, you got Brock Purdy, who's been, you know, as you said, a passenger quarterback for most of the time, but has been good enough, and every single one of their quarterbacks – good enough to get the ball to their playmakers, which I think their offense is probably one of the best and most talented offenses in the league. And when you have that, you don't necessarily need the best quarterback ever because those players are going to get wide open. Ayuk's going to get wide open. Debo Samuel, who's kind of injured right now, um, is going to get wide open. George Kittle, wide open, is going to run through people. It's just and Jennings a lot of their wide receivers behind Ayuk and uh, Samuel they they just are going to get wide open downfield doesn't matter what part of the field they're on they're going to get wide open so the 49ers are just one of the best teams in the league and that's why I think they are going to most likely win the Super Bowl this year at least I think and I think Besides for the Eagles and the 49ers, really, there's not a lot of value in that NFC. You got the Commanders, you got the Giants. Didn't really expect those teams to make the playoffs, anyways. They both got quarterback struggles. Yeah. I don't think they're yeah, going to they, do anything. I don't, I don't
2: think they're, they're really as legit as their records are showing. But, I mean, kudos to them for.
1: Yeah. I mean, Dable's done, done a great job with the Giants.
2: Absolutely. But I just don't think they yeah. have what it takes to really make them. Any type of run in the
1: playoffs, you can only limp that roster so far, mm-hmm. and that's probably a wild card loss. But I, I mean, the NFC right now, I
0: mean, the Cowboys are always there.
1: Yeah. yeah, Cowboys are there, but like, are they? Are
0: they there? It should be solid, but yeah, I definitely pick like the Forty or Eagles. Yeah, probably,
1: I could, I just can't trust a Mike McCarthy led team. I can't. Yeah. And they're too inconsistent. I just don't – he's not a good – he's not a good coach. I just can't. And the Vikings are fake. Yeah. Let's be honest. Vikings are fake. Kirk Cousins is never going to win a Super Bowl. He's just not good enough of a quarterback. And Justin Jefferson yeah. just carries it. That's always hard to say, it.
0: but, yeah. I mean, like the point differential kind of tells the story. Yeah. It's not that big for a team with record that. And good.
1: it's shame because they have a great offense too, kind of like the 49ers. It's just – Kirk Cousins can't get it done. We're gonna take a really quick break and we'll be back.
0: All right. Welcome
2: back from the break. We're gonna get into some NBA now. Just finished up some of the Christmas Day games. Really, really good uh slate games. Very entertaining. Yeah. Um and yeah, let's let's get into the uh the Celtics. They had a bit of uh Bit of a bit of a slide, scale. yeah, and they're now back on the, looking like the team that they had been for the first twenty something games, mm. and the offense really lost its touch for a while there, and yeah. came back, um, yeah, roared back to life.
1: Everybody yeah. but Tatum kind of just took a vacation, but
2: after Christmas during day, the Magic game, Christmas concerns. Day we we proved to yeah, the. We're they proved to the league that we're still the team to beat mm. because the Bucks were the only, yeah, the only team putting defense. up a fight, at least in the East, and, and I, we absolutely steamrolled
1: that. Yeah, I don't want to hear it from Bucks fans that say, oh, Middleton was out. Middleton doesn't matter. Middleton doesn't matter. Okay, the playoff, some of the playoff games last year when Middleton was out and when Middleton was in, no difference. There was because no difference does. to the team.
0: Was also out, and Rob, especially last year, was essential to the exactly. team's defense.
1: Yeah, Rob Williams is far more valuable than I think Chris Milton is to
0: Bucks. Yeah, maybe not far, but because he's a, you know, he's a good player for yeah. them. He does a lot of off the dribble stuff for them. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I think it wouldn't have been a difference. I mean, the most impressive thing for me was the Celtics dropping 139. Yeah, a really good defense this year, shutting a Celtics record for most points on Christmas Day. Yeah.
1: And I think what's also um, pretty valuable about that is that in this game, they made Giannis look vulnerable, I think.
2: Well, at least more like – He really didn't yeah. have as much of a
1: yeah. dominant
0: game as you're used to seeing from him.
1: He was 9 for 22.
0: Yeah, anytime you get Giannis shooting under 5,000, 5, mm-hmm. 500, yeah, it's really good for the defense. Obviously, he's a guy who lives in the paint. He's really yep. dominant taking really
2: good high percentage
0: looks yeah and force him to take a lot of outside shots a lot of jumpers yeah and he missed all you know, of them the Bucks are a really good team but i feel like for them if i'm a bucks fan the last team i want to face in the playoffs is the celtics and that's not just because the celtics i mean statistically have been the best team but because there's i think they're the best matchup for the bucks we, the we match up really well because too. yeah offensively the bucks like to give up the three-point ball they like the um you know carry two centers two bigs yeah um and then Giannis and Brooke and they always want them to collapse and cover the paint, and they love taking away any shot, shots in the key because that is the most valuable shot in the in basketball but then the Celtics are a team that especially this year it's shooting lights out from three they like like shooting three they won't hesitate and then on the other side I don't think I mean obviously I don't see that many Bucks games but I don't think I see any other teams As well equipped to deal with Giannis, they have Mm -hmm. a bunch of bodies they can throw at him. Al, Grant, Al Horford, Jason Tatum. Al Horford has done a phenomenal job guarding Giannis. Yeah, yeah. 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 especially
2: Grant, too. Like Rob Williams.
0: I'm confident that
1: all five of the starting lineup can match up against Giannis and do at least a decent job.
0: Yeah, sometimes I feel like Jalen might lose his focus. Mark is obviously small, Mm -hmm. but they do a respectable job. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like they throw so many bodies at him, and then eventually he gets tired and starts shooting those. Jump shots from yeah. like mid range jumping away, and that's always a good sign for the Celtics. And I yeah. feel like they're really well matched up against. Yeah,
1: team. that's the thing that makes the Celt- the Celtics team so good, and made last team last year's Celtics team so good. And I think this team obviously is improved with uh, age and experience, and
0: with the additions of like
1: Malcolm Brogdon, and- yeah. But what makes it so good is that you could throw any player one to fourteen from the Celtics team on the court and they can make a difference. They can make a defensive difference, and they can defend pretty much all five positions. That's what makes the Celtics team so good. And I think, obviously, a very 3-and-D team. We can do anything on the court. Threes, great defense, great in the paint, great on the perimeter, on both sides of the ball. And that's something that is just, you know, they're just a complete team. And... That's what makes the Celtics team so special and what I think makes it a team that can really get over the hump and finally win a championship for the first time since 2008. And I think Jason Tatum taking that step to be a top five player in this league, one of the best players in this league and possibly being an MVP this year, is something that's going to get them that far. Because you need someone that's your center, your one guy that's going to get you there when – the team starts to crack at their strengths. I
2: think uh, another thing to point out is Marcus Smart's passing ability this year has been absolutely incredible. He's always been a pretty good distributor, but the passes he has been making into the paint and getting other guys just the easiest layups and open looks, its it's been extremely impressive and very fun to watch.
0: Yeah, I think – one of the things that people talk about, you know, Marcus is the leader, and oftentimes teams follow their leader and reflect what they do. And something like that Marcus has been doing, and the entire team has been doing, is making that extra pass. Mm-hmm. They get the ball in the perimeter; they're always looking to the sides, trying to make the next pass to an open three before they take their own shot. And that's also improved their numbers, making that extra pass to the corner, skip passes, and that's definitely helped and made them lethal on offense. So next we'll talk about the Warriors who were struggling, but they did the come, game come through with a big win on Christmas against the Grizzlies, we have been talking about a lot, especially about the Warriors. They've also had a few inconsistencies with um
2: keeping their main uh their main players healthy and in, in the lineup. So it's a little understandable with the uh the struggle that they're experiencing, but especially for a team that's defending a championship. It's a very steep decline in performance from what we saw last season.
1: Yeah, But, it, I mean, it's super positive when you can beat a team like the Grizzlies that have are pretty much all around really, really good. Guys like Brandon Clark, uh, John Morant, Dylan Brooks, Bain, Bain who's a lights-out shooter, Jaron Jackson in the paint. When you can be a team like that without your main guy and Curry on the court and having younger guys like Jordan Poole step up, Poole had a great game. Yeah, he did. Thirty-two points. Just a ton of scoring from him. And obviously Clay contributing with twenty-four. Just a lot of the smaller guys on or Guys who have lesser roles, I think, with the Warriors stepped up yesterday, and that's something and that's that made, they need.
0: Curry's out for a few more weeks. Though. Yeah. Yeah, because the
2: Warriors aren't necessarily one of the deeper teams in the NBA. They rely a lot on Curry, Thompson, that core group, um, especially the offensive side of the ball.
1: Yeah. Um, and, I mean, you need for to win a championship again. If they want yeah. to win another championship. Which they did. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah, they.
0: Clay was talking about wanting to be part of the group of five. Yeah. So yeah. There's a one at five times.
1: They need more depth. And they, they're getting, clearly, from this past game, they're getting a lot out of players that going into the season, maybe we, we thought weren't going to perform as so well. Yeah, a lot of young pieces. Yeah. So just the development of their young guys like Moody and uh, Kuminga, uh, Wiseman getting those guys up to speed getting them into bigger roles which they've been trying to do for the past few years but now obviously desperately needed with guys phasing out and trying to go for that last type of run here with a reloaded squad it's good to see this past game see those improvements and seeing Pool take a big role in the absence of Curry
0: yeah I think Obviously the record still isn't great. It's um, still been good over the last ten games. But that was a statement win. The Grizzlies were um, the one seed in the West before that game, um, and now obviously the Nuggets and the Pelicans are up there. Uh, Pelicans jump this year has been really good. Pelicans have been very impressive this season. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, Looking at their great. roster,
0: you would think that they were underperforming last year because they have a lot of talent. But with Zion healthy, it's been really been coming through for them, and the talent has shown this year for them and i hope they keep it up because a young
1: team it's exciting to watch mm-hmm. them play yeah the Pel- pelicans are really stacked with i mean bi i've been a big believer in him from the start and zion and mccullum i mean they they have the scoring they have defense and Eunice. they got a lot of stuff there to build off of do i think the pelicans are going to be a big contender in the postseason this year They'd be they a little feisty, prize. yeah. But uh,
2: they, if anyone was going to be a dark horse to make a run, they would be them. Yeah, yeah. I, mean,
1: I think uh, the key here is keep Zion healthy. That's been the concern for the past few years, and hasn't worked out. Now he's finally getting into the rotation, like getting just tough minutes the whole entire way, but kind of keeping his head on here so we'll see how it goes i expect him to miss sometime time deep in the season because he's just kind of that player with that big of body it's tough for guys to stay on the court but he just needs to maintain it and if zion can maintain it then the team's going to be dangerous but he just needs to maintain his health here and see where he can go
0: yeah Next coin on the NBA, we're talking about the, about the Nuggets, and Jokic has kept it up again. He's really having an MVP season. If anyone's going to take it away from Tatum? Tatum, I think he'd have to win.
1: Jokic, another one?
0: Yeah, I think Tatum <laughs> would we'll have to win based on record. I think yeah. Because Jokic has been really good yet again.
1: I mean, Jokic is good every year. He's just – he's a unicorn of a player for sure.
0: Yeah, his consistency is incredible.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, every day he just shows up delivers almost a triple double as a center yeah he's averaging and
1: 25 11 and nine nine and a half right now
0: And he's closing on triple double average it's gonna to be tough for yeah. anyone to beat um him in an mvp race i think
1: one and a half steals i would have fatigue that.
0: would definitely work against them because you know championships were being held against Giannis after his first mvp and i mean Jokic hasn't won one either so maybe that gets held against them we'll see but you know he's been incredible and then, the returns of Murray, yeah. uh, Porter, and others have helped them. So it's not only him carrying the team to like a five seed as he did last year. It's them being the one seed right now, and yeah, they've looked good.
1: Aaron Gordon's also shown a lot, I think, as a role player for the team.
0: Yeah, he's definitely fit in. I mean, a lot, last season there were a lot of complaints. Yeah, a lot of Nuggets want one gone, they didn't understand the trade. I think this he's year, again paid he's a lot for a year.
1: what he what he's doing, but yeah. They're putting it a lot together right now. Back to the
0: East, where the Nets have been on fire ever since Steve Nash was fired, and Mm. interim coach.
1: Amazing what a new coach can do. Yeah, for a team that actually has coaching experience.
0: A little bit of a role as well. Yeah, they won eight straight. Um, But yeah, Vaughn has done a really good job with the Nets.
1: I'm Um, surprised the Nets have done so well with all the dysfunction they had coming into the season.
0: So maybe a lot of that was on Nash. i don't know it's a bad look for him right now <laughs> but yeah i mean they've been doing a little, uh katie is having one of his best years ever at 34 it's been really yeah. impressive he's been shooting lights out he's been w- working really hard on defense um and obviously moving down also the Cavs have been there the defense has been really good um calves have been great Cavs I mean, have a great lineup i mean mobley and allen have been holding the fourth downs so people were concerned yeah donovan mitchell would do to the defense you know him and um garland but no it's it's been it's been it's good fun. it's been good anyways yeah. and obviously mitchell gives you a boost on offense uh garland had a big night today he scored over 40 but they did lose for the nets um so yeah it's a fun team it's a young team i like what they're doing too and yeah and then, garland
1: had 46 tonight too so. yeah crazy
0: and then obviously, the second they have won straight. Uh, Max has been out of the lineup. Uh, but that Melton trade was really good for them. Mm. So he's been he's fitting and fighting well. He's strong on defense. He hits threes hard. A lot of people talked about his playmaking, and it really has been incredible, his transition.
1: I can just. Us. I mean, the Sixers are playing well, yeah. but I can just never take them seriously. It's something.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean,.
1: Any team James Harden's is on is just there's always dysfunction looming, I feel. Well and I feel
0: like especially because they're usually relying on him historically. Yeah. And obviously that's that's tough to win a when you're that relying on one guy. I mean, like let's let's be fair to him, I mean he's had some incredible performances. In twenty seventeen they were so close. Yeah. They were the Warriors just happened.
1: I mean the, the Rockets rumors that came out uh the past two days that Harden was looking at returning to the Rockets. It just feels like he kind of has one foot out the door while trying. You know, he took a team-friendly deal this offseason, like kind of. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, kind of. Like, he saved like maybe like, of, like,
0: were kind of $3 million. He, dollars. Yeah. But team-friendly,
1: right. yeah. Um, I guess, as far as you can go for a max extension. Uh, but, like, it, it just seems like he is always looking at the next thing, looking – especially now, you know, when he went from the Rockets to the Nets to the Sixers, it's just, he's just all over the place. It seems like he's just bouncing between team, 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 and I feel like that's gonna happen. Just kind of what Harden's end of his career is gonna be like. Yeah. I he just does, he's not the type of player that wins a championship.
2: Lately, it just hasn't seemed like he's really found a place that he wants to stay at and commit to. Yeah.
0: Yeah, in that article, I did mention that he's was. Isn't like one eye to eye with um, Embiid and the, and Daryl Morey. Yeah, no. and I mean that's interesting. But just looking at the on court for the Sixers, I mean they've been clicking. Mm. They've looked good this year, especially with Maxi, who's been one of their better players. Um, but yeah, I'm, I don't think they wouldn't be my pick in the postseason. I feel like yeah, I also hold it against them how yeah. they disappoint year after year. And I, I definitely they always I, yeah, fall I don't take hard. any media saying, oh, they've won eight straight. Let's see them in the – like, are you scared of this thing? Because I don't think it's – because just the track record isn't Yeah. Year after year, they they come up short in the postseason. They get swept here, uh, beaten here by, the like, the Hawks. Or, you know, they always get upset or underwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And I definitely wouldn't trust them there. But, you know, the eight, eight straight wins, something's clicking. I think that they're going to be, again, solid in the regular season. But yeah, let's see.
1: They'll be good in the regular season. Um, if It's just all a matter if they can maintain their composure here and maintain the chemistry because if they start to, which they will, they'll go on a little bit of a skit at some point during the season, and that's when the team's really going to be tested and when you're going to figure out what the 76ers are. The previous couple seasons, we've looked at the 76ers. They have had faults in their um, regular seasons, and we saw them pretty much unravel. And we're just going to have to wait and see here if the Sixers can work through that period and, as all great teams do, uh, go forward with that. And I just don't have confidence that they will be able to do that, especially in an Eastern Conference right now that is stacked pretty much top from to bottom. I can see pretty much the top 11 teams right now doing damage to about anybody uh in the western conference and to each other in the eastern conference i can see any of those teams in contention right now
0: yeah i mean that's why the nba is talking ex- expansion a lot of teams yeah. more teams than ever um you know team once again teams are getting really talented there's a lot of talent actually so it feels like every single team already has like a franchise guy someone they want to build around and that's good for the league and that's definitely why they're talking expansion not just money mm-hmm. because i mean it would make sense to spread the talent a little bit more now but yeah i mean yeah, like the Raptors are in 10th. The Bulls are in 11th. These are teams with all stars on yep. their rosters. Teams with aspirations who try to make, uh, who have tried to make, you know, big moves, chip moves yeah. recently. And
1: Heat are the nine seed right now. Yeah. They and have a great roster. the
0: Pacers would be thinking. And I mean, they've been doing pretty decent. Yeah, Halliburn's great, Really good.
1: Hawks are always up there with Trey. And now Jante Murray. Yeah. John Collins.
0: See, like, they, you would think maybe they would want to do better than 17 and 16 after such a big move. Yeah. But I mean, that's just what it is. It's really competitive. It's good for basketball. It's Knicks. Be fun.
1: The Knicks are at six. They're very scrappy right now with Brunson. Yeah. And RJ Barrett.
0: Yeah. I think some of their young pieces are coming along. Mm-hmm. Brunson was a great addition. Quickly. Yeah. Quickly's coming along. But Brunson was just such a great ad. Um, Brunson, yeah. He's been a true point guard for them. Randall's bounced back. I mean, realistically his, his talent level was above what last year was you yeah know? but yeah I and mean, then what's really been big for them too is the second chance points mitchell Robinson has been a monster on the boards and they've been you know working hard getting points and uh finding ways to win
1: randall kind of had that big contract hangover yeah. <laughs> last season he just wasn't taking that too well but big bounce back for him this year which has been good for the knicks and yeah. They got something, something cooking here. They're on a little bit of a skid right now with three losses in a row.
0: But I mean, yeah, they were playing well against the Sixers first half. They were leading, and then they just kind of fell off second half. Yeah, but I feel like in the playoffs, obviously, if they make it, we're still kind of early in the season. Um, obviously, I don't think they would be scary, but I think they'd definitely be a, a tough addition. I mean, tough matchup. Mm-hmm. Someone that you probably wouldn't want to face because they do work hard. They will punish you on the boards. They will attack your mistakes.
1: Yeah. I mean Brunson. Brunson's showing so much right now. Yeah. I think he's kind of making the Mavs I mean, regret that he, yeah. that he didn't. I mean the Mavs didn't even get here. a
0: chance. It was like the first day. he Just. Yeah. Just bolted Especially for the Knicks. He, had, he has connections with the, the Knicks. His dad. Is yeah. His assistant coach. And obviously they got caught for tampering. Yeah. Was, yeah. I mean it was Oh obvious, no, a second round pick. That's the thing. <laughs> if anything, it incentivized tampering because they got a great player and they only got stopped with a second rounder. Yeah so i mean
1: the league gotta do something
0: yeah i was pretty bad from my point of view but for the Knicks, i mean they're smiling because i mean that that's a great player and then the mavericks lost I mean, that's the thing like with the cap with the way the cap works when you lose someone like that you just you can't just add someone else because they're over yeah. the cap like you can't, they didn't have a chance to sign yes, that would that would anything. be just luxury just, yeah, they resign lost talent yeah and there's no way to play because so they're over the cap so it's been tough for them they've obviously had some struggles without luca and they had a great win against the, the Lakers with that huge third quarter. Yeah. They can really shoot the, the three ball, but I mean, losing the secondary ball handler in Brunson definitely has hurt them because yeah. that, that carried them to that.
1: I mean, Brunson right now got Brunson got 20, uh, is averaging 20 points a game on 46% shooting, 37% from three, also going along with seven assists per game in the steal. Yeah. Well, so he's all around has been really really good for the knicks and the i think the whole entire thing with luca and the mavericks though his whole entire career we've seen that he's just been this insane player yeah. points everything just triple doubles all over the place the whole entire time it's been his supporting cast and you know we think we've found it with uh porzingis initially and that didn't work then we thought we found it with dinwiddie and that's been questionable we'll see and now we got christian wood so
0: I mean, last year they, they thought they had a breakthrough with Brunson. They made the conference on us, and mm-hmm. he just hes across the country. He's gone, yeah, to New York. That, that was a big blow for them. I mean, they still have Luca signed up, but we know in this NBA, the stars dictate the market, they yeah. choose where they want to play. We'll see how that goes. I mean, if,
1: if the Mavericks can't figure out the supporting cast, you have to think Luca would want out. I mean, it's way too early to say that. Yeah, we're looking started. years and years down the line for that. Yeah, but right now they're cap strapped and they gotta they gotta figure out a decent enough supporting cast to get Luca over the hump and you know because he needs he has too much talent to be sitting in the um, second round of the playoffs or just barely make it into the conference finals. He yeah. he's a player that should be in the NBA finals uh, at talk time. at least yeah. year after year.
0: You definitely want to see the best players in the in the biggest stage, and Luca's been top five, top 10, whatever you want to say. He's been an MVP candidate most of his career, yeah. And he's only like 20, he's only like 24. It's really insane how ins- how impressive and how consistent he's been. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I hope, we do hope as a neutral, if the maps figure it out, the game will help. And then looking down the Western Conference, we'll see the Kings were in sixth, they're over Kings 500, and it's behind. You. Insane offense. They have the second offense in the league, band only the Celtics. And Aaron Fox has been doing well. Sabonis has been helping. Harder has been a great addition. Malik funk has been doing things for him. I think it's just a nice team to watch. They play exciting basketball. They score a lot of points.
1: Light the beam. Light the beam.
0: And they love. And they have their beam. <laughs> so a great social media team. They're just a fun team. Yeah.
1: Oh my God. I love the the Kings' social media page. Has been glorious for ages finally great that they're getting wins finally getting something going in the west and especially with dier and demathis i mean i'm sure they wish they had the halberton trade back yeah right now but they were going for a win now type of thing and here we are with that so it's working out good for them getting some wins definitely
0: a good player but again that's kind of Reflected in the team's record and the statistics. Yeah. They're a really good offense. They're not so good of a defense, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what the bonus is. I mean, he's a great offensive player. He's really talented, but he's gonna get two points. But he's just not the greatest, especially because yeah. he plays the premium position center. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, they're a fun team. It's good to see them over five hundred, but the
1: Jazz are somehow awesome. doing doing well. Yeah, which is just odd. So so mm-hmm. odd. You have to think they want a tank right now. now that's
0: what I thought want after the offseason. season. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of interesting players on there, like Sexton, Martin, mm-hmm. and They just kind of clump them all together. It's yeah. just a funny team.
1: There has I uh, I have to think with the Jazz because the Warriors and the Timberwolves are going to get into the playoffs. They're going to jump the Jazz at some point. I'd have to think.
0: Yeah, the NBA looks really funny right now because you have teams that are trying to win at like the Warriors and Timberwolves, 10th and 11th, Lakers, 13th. And then you have teams that you thought were trying to tank, like maybe the Kings and definitely the Jazz, and they're just in playoff positions right now. And it's really funny.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I see at the deadline Jazz just unloading
0: completely. Yeah, because, I mean, from their point of view, it also helps if they're doing well because either way... Yeah. That's value being added to the players.
1: Yeah. When Benyama doesn't look like they're going to be too close for him right now. I think you're going off the
0: pace they're going. Yeah. Probably one Texas doesn't
1: know. Yeah. Maybe Popovich gets a new weapon. For Why is he still coaching? Like, way too old at this point. And he's just, I don't know. He's suffering, like, with this team.
0: I mean they traded away Jonathan.
1: They they know what they're
0: doing. Yeah. I just you get the feeling that maybe I'm just, just wondering
1: how long he's gonna go.
0: You, maybe he does want to
1: coach one by now. Yeah. I mean they gave up Lonnie Walker, he's doing a great job in uh LA. Yeah. For as bad supporting cast as LeBron has right now. And Blakers just horrible. So so bad. But Lonnie's putting up like Fifteen a game, forty-six percent shooting. He's shooting forty percent from three. He's doing all he can from for uh to try to get LeBron somewhere. And LeBron's playing all right, but Anthony Davis is out for yeah, doing, a month. Right they now. were kind of
0: turning the corner there, but then Davis got injured again. Yeah, because they were, they were, they were what they were like seven, and like three over the last at some point. Yeah, after and a mean, horrible start, it was looking good. Yeah, they were, and then they just. Davis got hurt.
1: It just frustrates me so much for the – and I think they're starting to go away now, but the fans that wanted the Lakers to, like, give up all their picks to just go out and buy more players. Because I feel like that's the solution that Lakers fans keep pushing. Because They think they're the Lakers. They think because they have LeBron and Anthony Davis, they think that they can be a championship team no matter what, which you should. With those two players, you should. But – the team's been so mismanaged, yeah, that you're you're just not you're not in that position anymore, and you should be looking to keep your draft picks, especially as far in as yeah.
0: I understand it's like a weird predicament because from the front office standpoint, like you know you have LeBron, you have like you want to compete, yeah, part of you want to compete, but then at the same time, like they have um degrees in math and business and everything they're thinking about like the future and it's just like they have one eye on on the future on the clock yeah. and then you see LeBron's old Anthony Davis is injured every year and then like they just can't I guess they just can't justify giving yeah. away big draft draft capital this is, First is rounders second like yeah just for a team that they feel is just gonna come apart in a few years this is
1: why I was pushing for Anthony Davis to leave when he was hitting free agency. like To go to Chicago, which was one of the other teams that was interested in him and had rumors about all that stuff. We knew he was going to go back to L.A., but why I was urging him to leave L.A. was because I just don't think L.A. has much of a future, especially because they give up so many picks. Their front office is so erratic with how they manage things. I just think there's no future um, of championships there with the Lakers if they can't get their crap together. Yeah. Uh, We're going to take a really quick break and we'll be back.
0: And we're returning with some MLB news and going back to an off season that has moved really quickly in comparison to others. Usually you have a few um, big name holdouts going on to January, February, just before spring training sometimes. Um, But this one's in ruin really quickly by Christmas time. Almost all of the big names had signed.
1: Which I think is something that MLB really needed to, Start doing because the NFL free agency moves so fast you have day one, everybody, pretty much all the big names, at least first few days, they go, and that's what makes that free agency so intriguing. Yeah, and then for the NBA, same like with NBA before, like the first yeah. day,
0: it feels like everything's done, legal tampering period, yeah, especially those. What's it called? Uh, like we heard about like Lonzo Ball signing trade to like Kyle Lowry signing trade, to, yeah, there, the rumors were there for like a while, but then for them, will be. Um, nothing went down until the winter <coughs> meetings, and then everything hit like a storm. Um, it was really nice. We're going to start off with the biggest name on the free agency market. That was AL MVP Aaron Judge.
1: Also known as Arson Judge, <laughs> if you're our John Heyman.
0: Who ultimately decided to re-sign okay. with the Yankees on a huge nine-year, $360 million contract, which makes mm-hmm. him the highest-paid position player by annual um, salary.
1: Also a San Francisco native. If you are John Heyman, yeah,
0: he he's more, he's more <laughs> around that area. Um, it seemed like he was pretty close to signing with the Giants. And, Very close. Which is surprising because I thought, um, you know, just the way that the Yankees and Giants are built. Obviously, the Giants run off almost a five hundred season, and their ace Rollins was on the market. So mm-hmm. I was kind of confused on why they were going so hard in on on Judge, but. It seemed like they had a lot of money to spend and they did. And they they made the offer for three hundred and sixty million. The Yankees were apparently at three hundred and twenty million for the a year last of so the same salary, yeah. but one year less. And on the on the day that he signed, the Yankees bumped it up to the same offer and he re-signed it there. I mean, I,
1: that- I understand why Judge with the inconsistencies that he's had with the Yankees throughout his career, I understand why he would entertain other offers. But for having the Giants as the second option to the Yankees, uh, you know there was the hometown appeal, but the winning isn't there.
0: Yeah, no, these, the, these had, aren't the obviously they had a dynasty in the 2010s. Yeah, this
1: is the early 2010s Giants, it's not them. They're a scrappy team. Yeah, they got Crawford and they got some younger guys. You scrumsky. They got a. Well, they used to have a decent pitching stuff with uh, Rodon. I
0: mean, yeah, Logan Webb's really good. Logan Webb is pretty, pretty good. That's about it. Yeah,
1: but I mean. There's just – at least if I'm judged, there's not enough there for me to goes, want to go I mean, there for however long his contract is, 10 years. He
0: have a, a good floor. I mean, they make the postseason every, every single year of his of his career.
1: Yeah. And they are, you know they're always going to spend – they always have a billion dollars just laying around. Yeah,
0: and then apparently the Potters are also in the mix. But ultimately, we signed – that's the biggest name on the market. He went off. We signed – well, another – the second biggest name was – pitcher, it's Jacob Grom, who chose to move. Mm. He went from New York to Texas on a big five-year, $185 million contract with a best-in option that would activate 60 of the same salary.
1: Mm. Which I don't think he's going to get to, especially with his age and his injury history. But big move for Texas here. Um, You know, they made the move for Corey Seager last year.
0: And Simeon. They were the biggest spenders last year. Mm. And once again, they came here with a big statement move. I mean, he's thirty-four, and obviously he has his his injury history, and they just came in with five years.
1: Yeah, but still, I, I mean, I can see why they did it. And if I was Texas, and I'm, you know, they're willing to just lay out the cash, and I, if I'm willing to lay out that much cash for certain players, I mean, Degrom's one of the best players on the market, and they need pitching. Uh, Perez coming back for them has yep. been really, really good.
0: He had a good season. Yeah, and then they they signed. Um, on the Dodgers, it was Heaney. Mm-hmm. He has really good stuff. Obviously, he gives, he's he's prone to giving up the long run, the the big ball, the home run ball. But he's a good pitcher. Um, and then they also have John Gray. Yep. So that they build that rotation after they signed Degrom. It's expensive, but I mean I don't know how their team's gonna pan out. Um, you know they spend a lot of money. It's an aggressive move. It does feel like they have a lot of holes for the, the payroll that they have. But, I mean, we'll get to see how it ages because, I mean, if you're going to shell out big money, I guess DeGrom is the name you you shell it off because his talent level um, is is incredible. Like, if he's healthy, he is by far – he's, like, his on-zone level, mm-hmm. number one starter.
1: They also got a Jack lighter coming up yeah. for them. So, a big prospect, uh, prospect uh, pitcher for them coming up. So, I mean, they got – a pretty good rotation going here and they're starting to build that lineup up. So I think the Rangers are looking to contend, not immediately, obviously, but they're going to be a scrappy team next year. And I think in a couple, maybe that third year, of that DeGrom contract, if they can keep building and have a nice offseason next season, um, I think they'll be able to figure out something here that could possibly bring them into world series contention. Especially if Degrom can stay healthy and can make sure that, because when he's healthy, I mean, he's, yeah, he's arguably the, the best pitcher. in because the Because
0: I feel like starting pitchers, you're better off ranking them one by one. You're usually better off giving them tiers because there's a lot of pitchers like on the same level, like yeah. you're going Cole Burns, like you feel like they're all oh, like, they're on the same level, right? But I mean, when healthy, Degrom is just on his own tier. He's mm-hmm. by far the one. Um, he just puts up like. Mid two ERAs, yeah. even under that in his sleep he hits high. Movement is crazy. Yeah, he hits, and then he just doesn't walk that many people. He walks like one person per nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's really good. Um, we'll see how that ages. It might age really badly, but at the same time, we've seen Verlander, um, Scherzer kind of changing the game. I mean, they're mm-hmm. like in their thirties, um, in their high thirties, and they're just, the
1: longevity like, is um, progressing yeah. as as the game gets. Uh, Gets more modernized.
0: Next um, player on our list, Trey Turner decided to go to the Phillies. $300 over 11 years. Um, This was rumored since the World Series ended, and it happened quickly. Mm.
1: Yeah, a great move for the Phillies here. Um, You know, getting even more stacked up after they had their kind of magical run to the World Series there. Came up short uh, to the Astros. The Astros, I mean, are, have been yeah. built great. They have, they're they having some GM problems right now, which is a little interesting, kind of why they haven't been too active right now. But uh, Turner, a great signing. Played great with the Nationals. Had great years here with the Dodgers. Unfortunate that the Dodgers are going to lose them here. I'll lose him here. But, you know, overall, great signing to pair him with Bryce Harper and yeah, with really that nasty rotation.
0: Yeah, he's back with Bryce Harper. or um- teammates in Washington, mm-hmm. and he's been one of the best works over the um, last few years. Obviously, this offseason has been one with a lot of big contracts, especially a lot of long contracts. Teams yeah. are trying to stretch out the money, trying to get that annual value down and avoid luxury tax. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, this one's no different. It's a big commitment. And with someone so reliant the on their speed, like Trey Turner is probably the fastest, most of the base runners. Uh, he's just hitting 30, lost it on bases. Yeah, yeah. He's just hitting 30 next uh, spring training, so you're mm-hmm. just kind of worried to see how that ages yeah. and how his game adapts because he's he does have really good uh, uh, bat to ball skills, yeah. but at the same time he does rely a lot on um, his speed on the bases, his speed on defense, his speed, you know, just in general offense.
1: I mean, this lineup for the Phillies now is. I mean, just out of the out of this world. I think you got Harper, you got Schwarber, both bat to ball insane. You got Castellanos, he's gonna put it out of the park. Real Muto, who's been a consistent catcher, one of the best in the league this past few years. You're adding Turner in there. You got Boehm at third base, Hoskins at first, and then Brand Marsh also in the outfield and playing some DH. Yeah, it's so,
0: a solid lineup for sure. But also playing probably, I think at least the second. It's at worst second best. Division in the league. Mm. I think right now it's probably D first. Yeah. Honestly, right now it's definitely D first. I think the AOEs would have to dethrone the, at the least because. I mean, you got I mean, the you Braves. Mess and the Braves, now the yeah. Phillies. That's three teams with World Series aspirations in mm. one division. So um, that's going to definitely be his one to paint out because they do have a good lineup. Um, and the Marlins are
1: still so sne- sneaky with uh, their pitching staff with Alcantar. Yeah, And then their rotation bad.
0: is. Solid. Their bullpen definitely came together. It was a concern during the season, but they came together in the postseason and they've made some signings. But um, it's funny because they just came off a World Series appearance. They look really good, but they realistically could finish third, and I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. We'll see how they play. And going off that, we're going to their AL East, NL East rival in the Mets, who have spent over $800 yeah. million.
1: Steve Cohen's really going crazy right now.
0: Yeah or at least committed because we're going to talk about one of the biggest reasons later, is the tobacco, mm. um, because, yeah, he, he's part of the 800 million, but we're not sure yet. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the biggest move was first signing the reigning A.L. Cy Young and Justin Verlander after the Grom part.
1: When the Grom news first came out, you know, I knew that there was a chance Verlander could go over there. I initially thought Verlander was just gonna go back to the Astros. I thought they had a pretty good hold on him. Sign,
0: um, for...
1: Yeah, but um the Mets coming back here and kinda you know filling that spot immediately with a guy who's just as almost like equally as good, arguably better or worse depending on I mean where You could argue
0: he's on the same level because mm. he's been more consistent health-wise. Um, obviously minus the, the Tommy John. Obviously, last year he came back, he pitched um, a lot, 200 and including the postseason, so he was dependable for the Astros. So, um, yeah, value-wise, you could argue that because he can leave there.
1: I just think it's great that Cohen and the Mets front office have been so open with their books. Yeah. Kind of just – because they – Knew they had a good roster last year, like they had a good roster last yeah, year, yeah.
0: They won 101 games, yeah.
1: yeah. So, re signing all the key guys and then bringing in even more talent, just town on town on talent for them that is so important for the yeah. Mets. And you can really see that they're really trying to go for it. And you know, they see their window,
0: I think it's good for them, and they're the shooting man. for it. I mean, you're seeing a lot of uh, seen some articles and reports talking about, um their ticket sales increasing and everything. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it's just good because there's fans are interested because if you're showing that much money you're showing that you want to win, that you yeah. care, and obviously the fans will respond. Um, and I think that's good in an environment where we've seen teams playing cheap. Because obviously they have every team. I don't think that everything could spend like they could. I mean, yeah. Cohen has one of the highest net worths in the in the league. Yeah, But I mean, at least like, Obviously, one billion dollars, two billion—it's still a lot of money. They still mm-hmm. could spend a lot more than some teams are playing. Some teams are playing cheap, and I think it's good that he's just gone in there and he's spent. I think that's good for the game. At um, the same time, I'm thankful that the CBA is still years away. That they just agreed to one. No, yeah. because it might not look pretty <laughs> the way he spent.
1: I mean, I don't know about everybody, but I like I like front offices that go into, uh, you know, they go to the luxury tax. At least yeah. a little bit. Um, because they they can afford to spend that. You don't have to cheap yeah. out on that, especially if you're a big market team yeah. and you can contend because you can sign players. Some teams, like the one in Boston, doesn't like to do that because they like to cheap out on things. And that's not how you get your fans to come back and you know be invested in your team.
0: I mean, yeah. I think the Boston, guys in New
1: York, they understand
0: that. Being a top five value manager, they could spend more, but... I mean, to be fair, they still had a top 10 payroll. I think this is Mm -hmm. more so about like the Oakland A's who have just sold all um, resemblance of major league star talent.
1: Yeah,
0: We've seen them go out the door. We just saw Sean Murphy. We'll talk about that trade later. Mm -hmm. Um, Frankie Montas. We've seen Manea. Um, Just every single person that had any value. Obviously, um, Chapman, Olsen. Everyone Mm -hmm. who has any value, they just shipped them out. And they had a really nice team. Obviously, twenty eighteen, won ninety seven
1: games, and yeah. now it's just all gone. all gone. They destroy it so fast.
0: Yeah, their payroll, but they have to. His bottom, it's it's really sad. Yeah,
1: because it's it's okay when you have to, when you have to play like that. Yeah, because you have such a low play, payroll for the bottom of the league teams, that's fine. But if you have a payroll that is pretty much infinity, if you want it to be, and you're still going to turn a profit, you should. Open up your books just a little bit, and that's what yeah. the Mets are doing, and what other big market teams should I mean, be aiming to do. Especially because this point, is how yeah. the league's going to start going. I mean,
0: is that like people are and paying they, and paying? They could still spend. I mean, that's a big market. Mm-hmm. They, they obviously have a billionaire owner. He could spend. He just sold yeah. it all. And that's just sad. How the fans have responded—they're showing uh, up the games they shouldn't. Yeah, at that point. especially
1: because the whole entire time the the owners just uh showing that the their face that he wants to move. <laughs> yeah, And I think
0: it's really sad for baseball because they have had a lot of success. Yeah, um, they've had a lot of historic teams. They've had a lot of Hall of, fam- had hall of Famers, mm. and then it's just yeah, it's just bad the for the, just spitting in the their face. It's
1: bad for the league, and you know, the whole entire city of Oakland. It sucks because they 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 yeah. lost the Warriors. Yeah. They went to San Francisco, and they just lost the Raiders. I mean, that whole entire city is just being stripped of everything pretty and, sad yeah and for fan bases for all three of those sports uh for the athletics the raiders especially at least from my perspective and uh for the warriors having those all stripped from them is just sad because they're such passionate um fans
0: yeah so he's worth two billion he could be spending he could have kept a lot of that time, at least like olsen and chapman yeah and Marte, and they just all lost them all. Yeah. so i think it's good for the game um they also signed Nemo on a long contract. I think it was, it was a decent annual value. Mm. Then we signed Diaz on the biggest contract ever to a reliever. Much, was, much deserved. Yeah, he had a historic season, so that's kind of fitting. And then helped the rotation. They signed Jose Quintana to a decent contract, and they signed the top Japanese um, pitcher, Kodai Senga. Um, unlike most pit Japanese products, he was not posted by his team. His team didn't want to post him. So there's no posting feed. They just mm-hmm. signed him in free agency because he, he earned that by going extra two years. Um, I think it was a pretty re- reasonable contract. Seven five years, 75 million, 15 per year. Yeah, that's not in bad this for market with his upside. I think it's a good contract. And I mean they look decent, especially if the unnamed player yeah. is eventually signed. <laughs> that teammate, he makes them that much better. Um but as of now they still look really good. And next we go on to their cross city rivals and the Yankees, who also have also had spent a lot of money, second like biggest spenders. <clears throat> um obviously their big name was big name move was re-signing Judge. And after that they actually decided to add on by signing one of the best pitchers in the market. Certainly one of the best pitchers um baseball um ruling they signed him to a good contract six years 152 million um obviously he has his injury concerns too just like um the grom is mm-hmm. obviously not as talented as the grom so he doesn't get nearly as much money but i think it was a reasonable contract in this market yeah. 26 million per
1: and for a talented uh line uh pitching rotation anyways
0: yeah and the with that addition, it makes rotation on paper the best in the league. Yeah. Um, and then they also signed reliever Tommy Canley to a decent contract, two years, six million per. Um, he was there 2018, 2019. So that's bringing a familiar face back, a veteran. And we'll see how they build from there. They still have signed left fielder Benintendi left, and he signed with mm-hmm. the White Sox, 75 million, 15 per think it was a pretty decent decent deal for the white Sox.
1: yeah yeah especially because they got the old the old man gone now so (laughs) maybe they can start to build something finally after having that kind of uh wasted away for them so
0: yeah the white Sox obviously they had an off season last year which is disappointing given all their talent their expectation—they they wanted to at least win their division, and they didn't even make the playoffs.
1: Yeah, <laughs> big disappointment for the White Sox. A lot of that coming from the managerial position, in my mind, because the talent's all there. But
0: yeah, La was definitely past that. Yeah, I don't, don't know. really know why they hired him. Because um, they had a young team, they just went to a old, older manager who had been problems out stuff. of a clubhouse Anyways. for a long time. So I know yeah. Chad, they couldn't afford seeing that he'd be out of touch and everything. But hopefully they, they rebound, but at the same time, ownership's also made some it's mistakes like again with Broadone, like I've mentioned. He was theirs and yeah, they had him, Cease, who had a really good year, Kopech, and they just let him go. They didn't even give him a qualifying offer.
1: It's clear that the White Sox have had um just problems and miscommunication from ownership in the front office and just 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 Scouting department. <laughs> yeah. It's clear they, they they got talent. Whoever's in the scouting department is doing really really well, um, but whoever's making managerial decisions and kind of some of the spending stuff, um, a little bit more to uh, be desired
0: there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, they'll definitely be looking at cap eyes with the Twins losing um, Korea, mm. and yeah, the obviously the Cardinals are good, but. It'll, with the twins kinda of disappointed. I think it'll be easier for them to find a way to the playoffs. Yeah. Um, next we go to the talk about the Astros who haven't really done that much. They lost Verlander, They're defending World Series champs. Um then they signed Jose Abreu from the White Sox um to fill the spot. Gurdy was a free agent It might not bring him back. Um they had they had the Oakland they had the what's it called the Orioles guy at first base yeah and and he left the free agent he's obviously still a free agent they decided to go with a prove him back yeah. i think he could help them a lot because obviously they already have a really good offense and he's experienced he's quality and he's a good locker room guy mm-hmm. um and then in the rotation they obviously lost for Lander. they'll be looking for top prospect hunter brown to fill that in and given their track record he'll probably do well yeah but the they always still seem looks, to have people coming through. Yeah. The bullpen still looks really good. They re-signed Montero. Seemed like an overpay to a lot of people. But he's, he's talented. They want to keep that, that dominant bullpen together. to yep. what won the World Series of pitching staff. So I think they've had a wide offseason, but a decent one. At least signing front. Because obviously in the front office, they've had their general manager yeah. issues. There were rumors that Click might leave during the season. And it, it happened. They're currently GM-less. Yeah,
1: so which is tough to yeah. to manage. I mean, having that much dysfunction in your front office uh, as a World Series-winning team is kind of a little bit unheard of, but uh, but it's happening.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so especially
0: because they've been so run it's kind of yeah insane to see them do this.
1: Yeah, such a good scouting department, such good uh, free agency moves player development and player. And de- de- yeah, incredible. but you know every. Good team has its faults. He, I mean, you'd think that that wouldn't happen with such a with like with a team that's so just so well run usually, but here we are looking at the Astros just not having a GM.
0: Yeah, Jim Crane would look really bad if this at the next season disappointing because he's yeah. just kind of taking the, the wheel, I and mean, that's a big move. Went yeah. on multiple weeks, um, general manager list, especially because it was kind of like. It was just tension between him and click which mm. just kind of unforced, but we'll see how it goes. Talking about the, talking about the Red Sox and they lost their star shortstop. They Bogarts on a huge deal to the Padres. Yeah. I can't blame them for not matching this. I feel like a lot of people honestly would have made them fun of them. I, well, that brings Bogart.
1: This. It brings Bogarts into his forties to be fair. Yeah. 41. Yeah. And, and so it's 11
0: years, 280 million, 25 mil per. Yeah. And it's, it's just kind of insane.
1: It's just too much of a uh, a deal. Like I, I'd take that on maybe like six years.
0: Yeah, that deal. That's what they offered. They offered uh, hundred six million million for six years. Yeah, more per year, but less commitment. Yeah, uh, the- And then the Padres, who I guess were, I mean they were, I mean they've been a super aggressive all off season. They went in on Turner. They offered more than the Phillies. Didn't get him. Hmm. Went in for Judge. Apparently offered more. Didn't get him. And they were just kind of going on a rant. yeah. And the Red Sox were the victims. Throwing money at everybody. And that's just an incredible contract.
1: I feel like Bogarts was on the way out. Yeah. Anyways, just because, and I mean, I don't blame them. I mean, for... reportedly
0: there were other $200 million offers. So, yeah, I agree. But, yeah, I mean, that, the one he signed, I feel like, helps the front office. Because yeah. even the most logical fans, I mean, even the most I mean, insane fans. yeah. Wouldn't
1: have the yeah. match. I mean, I dislike Heim Bloom, um, which is a soft way to say it. But, you uh, know, I don't like him. I'm like most Boston fans here. I just don't like him. Um, but I understand letting Bogarts go here because if I was the GM, I was in his position, I wouldn't match that. It's way too much money, way too much commitment. Um, and we're going to let the uh, let the Padres deal with that contract down the road. He's, he's a great player. He'll play great for the first few years. Um, yeah, but, I
0: can understand the concern, too, because while he's really consistent, while he shows up every day, while he's, he still found a way to get good stats last year, even yeah. while his power was kind of declining. I mean, his power was declining. That's uh, a concern for a long-year yeah. commitment. Well, I mean, commitment.
1: you're not going to have – the the Padres aren't going to trout uh, trot – Xander Bogarts out to shortstop yeah, at 40 years old. He's, he's <laughs> it's not, just not going to happen. He's not ending that contract. No. Him, right? No. I mean, uh, you don't you don't see that mileage on a shortstop. It doesn't yeah, they can, happen. They
0: can move him off of it, but it seems, yeah. like, offensively, it's bad declining. Yeah. It just kind
1: of... And defensively, I mean, Bogarts has never been that great. It's been about as bat most of the time. So... Yeah.
0: But... And then... JD Martinez um, left for the Dodgers on a one year, $10 million contract. $10 million contract. Yeah. I mean, he was one of the, I mean, he went as well as any free agent addition can go. Mm-hmm. Five years it was a reasonable contract, and he delivered a World Series. Yeah, I think that was a really good signing for them. And I think it just made sense for both parties to end the relationship. Yeah. But-
1: Socks have been shipping. Uh, yeah, they've been trying to trade Martinez. At the deadline, it seems for the past like two years, especially this year. I wish they traded him out this year, just to get some value back because yeah. we knew he was going to leave. And I mean, same thing with Bogarts. But it, it's just it's unfortunate. Yeah, we're just kind of letting go of everybody at once, and you know maybe that has to be done.
0: Yeah, he was on the reset. He's like thirty three. Yeah, it was just logical for both sides and their relationship, issue because. I think it benefits the Red Sox to have that DH spot more open.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, But yeah, it was kind of sad for them, but it made sense logically. And going on to their additions, they added star Japanese hitter Yoshida on a big contract, five years, 90 Mm -hmm. million. Um, Happy about that. Yeah, it's a big deal. And obviously plus the the posting fee. Um, I think it was pretty reasonable in this uh, market because of his upside. Yeah. I mean, you don't know how his skill set would translate, but the thing that his bat the wall skills are great. Um,
1: I mean, the Sox need things. They, they need a, another outfielder to go with Verdugo right now. I mean, uh, Frankie Cordero uh, sucks. Um, yeah. I mean, Kike, yeah, got Kike, Yoshida, and uh, Verdugo in the outfield, It's not gonna
0: yeah, Yoshida, be a playoff
1: lineup, but, you know, it's, it could get us to the next step, I think.
0: Yoshida could also be occupying that uh, pre- aforementioned uh, DH spot mm-hmm. often. His glove is not very highly rated, but he brings a great bat to the table. I think he should do pretty decently in Boston, especially given their park. And then they also added Justin Turner on a two year contract. And I feel like he's going to do well there. He's a good veteran presence. He still has juice left in his bat. And he's probably the take most of the time Mm -hmm. in that DH spot. But he's a good bat, good guy, and I feel like he's going to help them. Definitely. And now we're going to talk about that guy, um, Carlos Correa with the Mets. He had a big contract lined up with the Giants, 13 years, $350 million. It fell apart with medical concerns, and especially their fan base was – all people, especially their fan base, were upset. Yeah. Especially after the Aaron Judge um, negotiations didn't come to fruition. But after, especially after the Mets signed him, the, the fan base was really yeah. angry with the, the Foreign Office and everything, just because they cited um, an eight year injury. Yeah, a 2014 historical.
1: injury, which hasn't slowed and him people down.
0: People criticized them. But then so. after the Mets agreed to a smaller contract 12 years, $315 million, and they also came up with that same – also same concerns over that injury. Now, I guess fans are kind of taking it off, taking the heat off. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him. Still no word from him or the Mets on whether that contract is going to be um, fulfilled or not, What's or they're going to agree to a smaller deal. But he's one, probably the biggest name, one of the biggest shortstop game <laughs> this year. Certainly the most talented one. They want him to play third base. We're going to see if that happens we have a break. And we're going to go back, and we're here with soccer. Um, World Cup just ended, the world's biggest tournament, biggest competition, and Argentina came out on top And probably one of the best sporting events I've ever seen.
2: Yeah,
0: I think that was
2: definitely the, the best World Cup final ever, and probably up there with one of the greatest games uh, anyone could ever watch for literally any sport. It was incredible.
0: It was definitely a great show for you know FIFA for the World Cup for the sport um, on the biggest stage. It was a really interesting game. It was back to, back and forth. A lot of goals scored. Um, and unfortunately, ended on, in penalties. I think it would it really hurts. Um, I would hurt really hurt for France. It was French to lose on penalties the World Cup. Um, But, yeah, it was a really good game for Argentina. Went up 2-0. Messi scored on a penalty after Di Maria was fouled. And then it was a beautiful goal. One that ended in in a Maria scoring. But after that, France came to life in the end. Um, I mean, right after the the Di Maria goal, until the, the end of the game, Argentina was looking more likely to score a third than France at first. Yeah, and then got around right towards like the
2: eightieth first. Yeah, minute. he got to the eightieth minute, and France decided that they wanted to actually show up and play. Yeah, and Mbappe
0: just took Squared over. Yeah, first assist for Mbappe scored a penalty. Um, and then he was, yeah, they were yeah, down on a counterattack. and then that just got momentum
2: on France's side. And you could you could almost just feel that that uh, that equalizer was coming from France for those last couple minutes. You just knew. Um, yeah, Mbappe
0: being quiet and he just absolutely came to life. Yeah,
2: an incredible finish from Mbappe on that second goal as well.
0: Yeah, it was a great volley finish first time. He just put it right into the corner past Martinez. Um, after that. They had a chance late. France did hundred twentieth minute, but and Emi Martinez made one of the best saves of the tournament. Yeah, it was, of the it was tournament. Phenomenal. Um. Also, before Argentina had a yeah, had also come the other way, and they were because France had actually committed numbers forward after the first half. They were really defensive game <clears throat> opened up, but game ended up going to overtime. No one else was able to score. And then we also got, we got more training football. It was end to end. Um, Argentina scored pretty quickly. Um, they tried to clear off the line, but they got it past. They had a few numbers back because France started trying to win. And that's He scored. And yeah. And then it Mbappe capped off his hat trick. But then, yeah, Mbappe capped off his hat trick. They got a handball in the area. Um, after Mbappe tried shooting it, they just walked with their hands, and they got a penalty. Um, he slotted it past Martinez, who's a really good penalty stopper, as we later confirmed. Yeah. And the game went eventually with the penalties. Um, and Yeah, Martinez has been really good on penalties. I don't think he's lost one yet. He was great in the Cup of America. He was great at this World Cup, and he showed it again.
2: Yeah. I'm not really sure how you could be good at being a at penalties as a goalie. It's obviously you do research on the yeah. players, but I mean, he it's he's definitely played very impressive. games. It's
0: pretty impressive. Yeah. He's really good at it. And that capped the exciting game. Messi got his World Cup. Um it's a pretty cool moment. And definitely a great final, definitely a great showing for the sport. It was a fun tournament. Had some uh, upset runs. Morocco became the first African team to ever make a semifinal. Morocco was a very, very
2: uh, fun team to follow. Just cool to see one of the smaller nations that aren't France, England, Spain, Germany, and Argentina, Brazil. Argentina, Brazil, all those. Make a, make a really good push late into the tournament.
0: Yeah, they had a really good defense. Bona was really solid. that had a lot of all their stand-up warmers especially at the back. And, and the offensively, they were just kind of cool.
2: Yeah. Amrabat was just everywhere.
0: Yeah. And then Hakimi was solid, too. And it was a really good semi run they just ran the gas. France scored early, and that kind of messed up their defensive
2: Deflated them a little bit. And and the they, were off setup.
0: they usually like, you know, like to sit back and then like, counterattack, but in France quarterly early, they had to go out and try to win the game, but it was a good run. It was really solid. They had great energy around them. I think it was a really fun tournament overall.
2: Yeah. A lot of interesting, uh, interesting takeaways you can take away for a lot of, a lot of teams in that tournament. Um, A lot of positives for the US, Yeah, um, especially looking forward to uh, the next World Cup coming back to home soil and four years of development for a very, very young team. So there's a lot of potential in there. Um, Tyler Adams was incredible. Yunus Musa showed a lot of really, really promising things in that World Cup, especially playing, I think, full 90s in
0: multiple games. Yeah. And
2: multiple games. And he
0: was showing back and forth. He is a good carrier of the ball. He has great energy. And McKenney was solid, too.
2: Aronson, when he came in, was also very, very smooth with the ball. Um, created a few chances. The one thing that the U.S. team needs to kind of – address and improve on is just their offense and their final third being a little more clinical other than that extremely solid team pretty solid in the back um a little a little shaky in the final moments especially in that Wales game but that was i mean things happen yeah um but from such a young and inexperienced midfield the way they would dominate some of those games it was extremely impressive and very, very positive thing to to see.
0: Yeah. It's definitely got um, Americans just excited for the next World Cup. Um, definitely a good team, I think, to show off because it had young te- players, it had young talent and it promises for the next World Cup that'll be on home soil. And yeah, I mean, they had a, forgot about a striker, but, a lot of other areas are figured out. Um, you know, Pepe was a big name excluded from the list. And then it was really disappointing to see the all their other, other strikers called up. Massively disappointed.
2: The other very large, I think the biggest problem that the U.S. men's national team needs to address is Greg Berhalter. He is not good.
0: He's definitely not good enough. He
2: biased... He has extreme bias towards the MLS, which is fine. I mean, you want to make a name for your nation's league, but you shouldn't let that get in between the actual quality in your team and who comes onto the pitch. So
0: Yeah, exactly. I I, I don't know if it's just him or just like a U.S. soccer problem, but... It was really disappointing. Similar decision making before the World Cup because that affected their, their run. Because you know the roster was just kind of it, it was, was definitely disappointing. They left out lobby names. They called up way too many MLS players, and that affected obviously the games. Because then on the bench, the subs were disappointing because they were MLS players. They brought in people like Shaq Moore and Jesus Ferreira, and it's just that's just not World Cup talent quality talent. Yeah. The, the US definitely.
2: Especially in the, the Wales game when he yeah. brought in um uh who was it? He was a he was an attacker, he was a winner. He, he uh, brought in over Reina at the, the very end after Wales had equalized. Yeah. And it was and he did absolutely
0: nothing. Was he right? No. Yeah, right wasn't that good either. Those it
2: was Jordan Morris Jordan Morris because he said he liked the physical attributes that Morris would have provided at that stage in the game yeah, and he, he did absolutely nothing and I think he, he had a few touches on the ball and they were awful yeah, and he just hurt. didn't look like he was up to the level <laughs> yeah. or even close to it which was frustrating but I mean not I much mean, you can do
0: that's another problem that he had technically he's kind of limited he didn't really seem to guide the team he just kind of had them walk out there and work and then he just was way too defensive after they scored a goal he just sat back on any lead And it was just kind of disappointing because obviously the team has better talent than that that cost them points against the whales um just sitting back and allowing them he left, them to he get left back the, in the game he
2: left the door open for teams to get back in the game
0: yeah and then again back to the decision making he as I said, Shaq Warren and stuff, when Joe Scally is a young, promising player already in Europe, already a munching lad back. Um, and he deserved minutes. I think he, he would have benefited a lot from the experience at a World Cup, and he just sat there on the bench. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if that's just a U.S. problem or him problem, but they need to address that before the next World Cup, because they need to just accept the fact that the talent is going to Europe. The team is, is beyond that MLS. And that they just need to move on, drop the the agenda, drop the quota, and just call up the best players.
2: Yep, as a nation, our standard is improving, improving rapidly into um, into European soccer and leagues, and um, it's just. There's so much talent out there that we are failing to take advantage of.
0: Yeah. So hopefully they find a new head coach. Hopefully he's not from the MLS, and that would definitely help them a lot, both um, decision-making-wise and then on the field helping the the product look better because they definitely could have played them way more refined playing the football. Um, But going back to the World Cup, back from the World Cup, domestic football starting back back up, and today we had Boxing Day fixtures from the Premier League. That league is back now. Yeah, It was a, it was a bunch of good
2: games. Brentford versus Tottenham to start the day. Um, Brentford went up 2-0. Tottenham scraped it back at the very end. Um, definitely a disappointing performance from Tottenham as they, are, uh, they were third in the uh, Premier League at the time. But um, yeah, they have been a little inconsistent before the break, and um, a team led by Conte you would expect to uh, come out of such a long break like that and be well-prepared and dominant yeah, they and they were, were in the against a played. club like Brent, Brentford, and they were just not up to it. Um, Brighton have been incredible this season, um, especially after losing their manager and
0: yeah.
2: selling a few players.
0: Padre left, but Serby's done a great job coming in. He has he had great tactics. A lot of people had already loved him. When he was as well, He had a slow start, but he's starting to get results now.
2: Yep, very comfortable win against Southampton, 3-1. Newcastle are incredible this season. Miguel Almiron is just a machine under Eddie Howe. Um, They're up to second place in the Premier League, but that is with Manchester playing two games more than Manchester City so far um and only one point ahead
0: of them. So yeah, still the they've won their last five now. Um and they're definitely ahead of schedule you'd think, because although they do have a, a new buyer new owner and obviously they're worth a lot more, but they haven't even spent that much to be performing their way out of because... it's been
2: very impressive the way they have gone about um building this team into what they want it to be with these new owners. Um yeah, when Eddie they right, right after the takeover, when they got Eddie Howe, he came in. They made a good amount of signings, but they were all like ten, fifteen million dollars yeah. signings for just established, experienced players that had been in the Premier League, like Chris Wood.
0: Yeah. Um. They signed Target to be a left back. Dan
2: Burn.
0: Yeah, they signed Dan Burn, center back. He's been really solid for them.
2: Yeah. It's
0: been a good squad construction. That yeah, Eddie House really helped them. And then their big signing, Isak, hasn't even play that much. But yeah, boy, unfo- as I mentioned, Wilson have been doing the job up there.
2: Came in, scored a goal, and then unfortunately suffered a um an injury that will keep him out for a pretty extended period of time. But interested to see. How they do when uh when he comes back? But Kalamoson is definitely solid player going to be able to do the job fill in. Um. And Leicester City are really really bad. I don't really know what happened to them, but I mean they are doing worse. They're back up the thirteenth, so yeah, they're on their mind out of the bottom, but still a very disappointing season based on the standards that they set for their club. Wolves beat Everton, which is pretty much to be expected. I mean, two clubs that are not very good, but Everton just don't play winning football. Yeah. Um, Liverpool had a pretty comfortable win against Aston Villa. Um, just a pretty complete all-around game from, from them there. Darwin Nunez, had a, he had a good game. Um, definitely was very involved, made the right runs, got himself in the right positions, just still unable to get into that yeah, goal-scoring for for, uh, form for them. And then final game of Boxing Day, Arsenal versus West Ham. Um, gave a penalty early to West Ham. uh, uh, Arsenal went down 1-0 and then they slowly built back towards the end of the first half and then they came out of the break firing on all cylinders, scoring two goals in five minutes in the 53rd and 58th minute um, to equalize and then take the lead. And then just over 10 minutes later, Eddie Nketiah puts the game to bed with a very, very Cool and composed finish, Uh, which was definitely good to see for a lot of Arsenal fans after losing Gabriel Jesus for um, many months. Yeah, for a few months. And there were definitely worries about how he would fill that role because Gabriel Jesus has been such a crucial and important player for them all season, just in the way he plays and the way he needs on and off the ball. But Nkedia had a, a very good game. He dropped in between the lines uh, when needed, made a few good runs, got in a few good places, almost had a very, very nice assist in the fifth minute to Saka, but it was ruled off for offside just for a very, very close call, but the right call.
0: Yeah, and then in transfer news, Window hasn't opened yet. Opened in January, but we already have confirmation that Gapko, uh Gakpo is going to Liverpool. He was a World Cup star. It was really good for PSV before that, but World Cup solidified. I thought it would jack up his price, but they signed him well, for a pretty reasonable. Lots Thirty-seven of, million.
2: Lots of rumors throughout the World Cup of lots of Premier League clubs having interest. You heard, especially uh, United, Manchester United, Arsenal, Liverpool, um, and a few other clubs. Um, looking into signing him, and during the world cup, you were hearing some pretty hefty fees up near around 70 million, yeah, like 70 million. And then Liverpool got him for 37, and then add ons bringing it up to 50. So, very, I would say, price a very good deal, pretty pretty, busy, pretty good business yeah. from them.
0: Um, just because it came out nowhere i mean people were talking mainly about united and stuff and then all of a sudden
2: yeah there was no just hit you. no news of uh, like they've made a proposal psv are waiting to hear from other clubs it was just GACPO deal already agreed between these two clubs just gotta finish everything else sign on the dotted line
0: yeah it's a pretty good uh deal i think probably will probably convince them to pull the trigger get the deal done was the setback in diaz's um, come back because obviously they had to start Oxlade-Chamberlain and left him today because him and Jota are out and those are their two options there. Um, so, I don't know how he fits in probably long-term because long-term he's on the bench, but we'll see how he fills in and maybe he wins a starting place. Anyways, just down the player, he should do pretty well.
2: Yeah, and um, Arsenal submitted a bid today to Shakhtar Donets, death, yeah. Donets uh, for for mudric for of 40 million with another 20 or so million in add-ons um, well short of what they' are asking for um, in terms of price they were talking about getting a absolutely outrageous fee of around a 100 million euros which is simply outrageous for someone who plays in a league that has very, very little competition. Um, but obviously an extremely talented player um, has a lot of positive signs and will definitely be a very, very um, good player no matter where he ends up.
0: Yeah. I thought I was a pretty fair offer. Probably just testing the water. He's a really talented player. Um, I guess it just shows you how highly they with him because, yeah, I think it's a pretty decent offer. They just rejected it. Maybe they want—I don't know if it gets 100 million, but it could probably look pretty hefty.
2: Yeah, from from what I had seen on social media from the manager, they're gonna be pretty feisty in their uh, negotiations for him because they value him extremely highly. Has they showed he's an incredible player with a lot of potential, still very young, and um, a lot of clubs very interested. So they know that someone will come in and pay what they want. Yeah, I know
0: Bayern tried to sign them last summer. They kind of got somewhere close to the day, but and they just pulled out. They just valued him too highly. And at Chelsea, Arsenal. We'll see where he goes now.
2: Mm-hmm. And uh, Ronaldo terminated his contract with Manchester United, um, biggest rumor has been linking him, him with a huge financial deal to go to Saudi Arabia um, with two and a half years of playing and then another five years of being an ambassador for their 2030 World Cup bid um, uh-huh. so would be interesting I don't know I just hope to see Ronaldo sign for sign for some club before we get too late in the January window so that he can get playing and we can see him hopefully get back in his usual stride Um, because I think he definitely needs that. He's had a very, very difficult year on and off the pitch. Yeah, and
0: we were talking a little bit about 2030, 2026, and then also wanted to explore a little bit 2030, some of the biggest bids. Um, I think my favorite would probably be the South American one. I think I want to see the World Cup go back there. The current bid is Uruguay and Argentina. That was the original two nations. And then they added Paraguay and Chile. Uh, I think that would be a fun bid. Um, you know, it's a continent that's, I'd probably think my opinion, but you could see from the World Cup final, the turnout, the insane amount of Argentines, they outnumbered the, the French by a lot. And it's just the content that's really obsessed about the sport. And I think it will be really fun. Um, and then the European bid is Spain and Portugal, are Ukraine to their bid. Um, that could be an interesting one. And then yeah, there's also a Morocco bid. Um, they're hosting the club world cup this year, so that they're also interested in hosting the big thing too. Um, also see how the club world cup goes because it's expanded this year. And um, we're gonna see a lot more competition, a lot more clubs involved, instead of the usual four. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of good potential bids. Yeah, and the last big bid is the Saudi Arabian one we were talking about, but also with Greece and Egypt. That could be pretty fun, pretty interesting. I think there's a lot of good variance between the three countries.
2: Yeah, there. I feel there would definitely be a need to build. A couple of stadiums there but they definitely have Some of the money, yeah. what it takes to make that happen so
0: yeah so it's been a pretty good episode just want to thank you for listening holding us uh you know listening to us all the entire time talking a lot about sports a lot of content a lot of news and that's going to be it hey. see ya, peace